am excited to be here today. And I'm also excited that today is the first day of December, which means that it is officially okay to play Christmas music and there's nothing you can do to stop me. You know, because November is like that kind of no man's land where, you know, sometimes it's okay, but some people are just, no, but December, we're going ahead. December also means that we are uh, in the first week of Advent, which in the Christian calendar is the four weeks before Christmas, and it's a time of getting ready to celebrate Jesus coming. Uh, And it's also, today is the last Sunday in our series of Join the Story, uh, which is uh, going through the Gospel of Luke, which is a book of the Bible about the life of Jesus. So it's kind of appropriate that we're uh, beginning to look forward to Jesus coming by looking at kind of the end of the story. Um, And last week, Greg talked about uh, Jesus' death, uh, that Jesus gave his his body, his life, his blood uh, for us. And that's where we're going to be picking up today in in Luke chapter 24, um, and we're going to be talking about the resurrection, uh, but that's getting a little ahead of ourselves. Um, so this was a what looked like a sad ending that turned out to be a long beginning. So Jesus' friends who watched him die, uh, one of them, a guy named Joseph, he got permission to, to bury Jesus, wrapped him in some, some linen cloth, uh, and put him in a grave while some women got ready to put some special uh, some spices and perfumes on him. This was traditional in that day. Uh, and as Jesus' friends were literally wrapping up his life as they saw it, that this was a a great man who was destined to do great things and died, that he was on track to change the world, that he was was speaking for God, he was doing great miracles, doing great signs, teaching great things, and then he died right at the peak of of his potential. This was a really sad moment for them. And it's even more sad if we look at wh- uh, what the Bible says uh, who Jesus was. Uh, that Jesus was God with skin on. That Jesus was God himself. And of all people, God shouldn't be the one who has to die. And yet, he did have to die. Because, because when you put a, a good God who only wants to do good things with a bunch of people who only want to do what's good for us, Neither of those are going to change, and that means that there can't be compromise, and that means that somebody has to die. And God decided to be the one to die. And that's, that's on us. That is quite literally our fault. We've, we've messed up our ability to even try and do things right. It's, uh, it's kind of like a, a date that I went on in high school um, <laughs> where I was, I was trying really hard to, to make this a good, a good evening, a good experience to be gentle and kind and generous and uh, to, to be, be a gentleman and be kind to this girl. But as much as I tried, I couldn't change the fact that I just really wasn't into her and found out years later how much that actually did hurt her. Uh, that there was nothing I could have done by trying harder to change the fact that I just didn't really deeply want what was actually going to help. Um, and it's the same way with us and God, uh, that some of us even are trying really hard to do things right, to do things to, to please God, to, to do things the right way, but there's nothing that can change how badly we want 
what's good for us, how badly we just want our own way. And we don't realize till later how much that is true and how much that has, that has burned God, how much we were the ones who made God die. So this is, this is a very sad ending, that the one who didn't deserve to die was the one who died. But that's not the end of the story, because there's chapter 24, verse 1, but... Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And that is good news if I ever heard any. Um, And Luke, the book of Luke, is written as kind of a two-part deal with the book of Acts. It was written by the same guy uh, for the same same guy. Uh, And throughout the book of Luke, he's referred to Jesus as Jesus, and he's also called him Lord a few times. But this is the first time you'll notice that he says the Lord Jesus. So this is almost a title that he gives. And this is the first time that he uses it. And then it shows up all over the place in Acts. It's like we haven't even seen Jesus yet. And the author just can't wait to tell us that, okay, something has changed. Something's different now. Something's more than it was before. And, and that's exactly what's happening. That it's not just... It's not just a, a happy ending to what was going to be good and then was really bad and then isn't bad anymore. Jesus is back and that's a great place to leave things off. No, this is revealing that this is only act one, that there's a whole nother part coming, that there is, there is a whole new story to be told. So in that sense, the resurrection is kind of a, a plot twist that, that makes the whole story make sense, that reveals that this was only Act 1 and that things are going to be different for Act 2. Uh, in verse 6, uh, the women are told, Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell the eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw that the empty linen wrappings were lying there. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. So the thing about any good plot twist is that it's a little unbelievable at first. The first time that it reveals, you know, in the movie that this guy was the bad guy all along or that this guy was actually the same or that Jesus actually came back from the dead, your first reaction is, no, no, that, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not what was happening. And it's the same way the disciples, it sounded like crazy talk to them. And it's even more so for us today in a world that scarcely even acknowledges that God might exist and that doesn't trust anything other than what science can prove or what I feel in my own feelings. But that's based on an admiral desire. Uh, our, Our culture has a good idea of, hey, maybe we shouldn't believe things that aren't true. But then we take it so far that we don't 
believe any things that are true at all. Uh, Like Peter, we want to go run and see for ourselves and see the evidence. But then like Peter, we see the evidence of this great truth that could change our lives, but it's not quite proof. So then we go home, and it doesn't change our lives. And we don't get to know that real truth that, that is sitting right there. But fortunately, God doesn't expect us to figure that all out on our own. God doesn't give us only one shot to believe him. In verse 13, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, uh, seven miles from Jerusalem. And then Jesus comes up and starts talking with them. And for some reason, they are kept from recognizing that it's actually Jesus. Uh, And they are, of course, still sad and confused over this whole weekend uh, because this was the sad ending to this great story. Um, But then Jesus says to them, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So the other thing about a good plot twist is that at first, sure, it sounds unbelievable, but then as soon as you actually think about it and you're open to considering, to reevaluating the evidence, then suddenly it all makes sense. Suddenly you realize that's the only way that it could have ended up. That that's, that's what it was pointing to all along. And for the, for the women uh, at the grave, it only took one reminder of saying, hey, remember Jesus said that was going to happen, and they believed it. For the other disciples who didn't believe right away, all it took was seven miles of walking one afternoon to go through the entire Old Testament and see that that all pointed to Jesus. That once you have the right understanding, it all clicks into place. Unfortunately, uh, making sense to us is different from believing that it actually happened. Same for the guys going to Emmaus. They, they were walking and they had it explained to them. They understood, okay, okay, yeah, this, this does make sense how that's supposed to happen. Maybe that is true, but they didn't believe that it was actually true. It didn't change anything of how they acted until they realized that Jesus really was alive until they realized that that was Jesus. And then they ran back to Jerusalem and told everybody else. And that means that it's time to join the story, uh, to experience it for yourself. Uh, So in, in verse 35, the two from Emmaus told their story, how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road, how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them, Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, huh? thinking that they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he said. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies, as you can see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. So we can, we can imagine what this scene was like, what it was like for the people to, to see this body of Jesus that had 100% died and yet was 0% dead. Uh, that Jesus was there in the flesh alive. That they were able to, to put their fingers in the, the spear hole that had proved that he had, was dead. Uh, that was the, the picture that we've been using for, for joining the story of, of feeling that fatal, mortal, lethal wound, and yet on a living guy. 
And that's been the idea of this whole join the story thing, is that we, we look at these stories of how Jesus has met people where they are, and we, we learn things about how Jesus uh, is, wants to meet us today. But we can do one better today, because we're still in Act 2, that this story is still going on. Jesus is still alive. Jesus is still meeting people and still doing things, and this story is going on. We can actually join this story. How God wants to to reveal himself to you, I don't know. But I know that he does want to reveal himself to you. For a lot of people, maybe it's it's healing. Maybe it's healing your body, some sickness. Maybe it's healing a relationship, healing your marriage, healing your finances. Um, God loves doing healing. That's how he shows himself to a lot of people. Other times, it's just... God showing that he loves you by the very fact that you've been forgiven from all the things that are your fault that God is saying, hey, I forgive you. Sometimes that's what it takes to realize that God is alive and that he is here. And then when you experience it for yourself, then you'll join the mission of telling the story. Jesus said in verse uh, 47 that it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem, that there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent, and you are witnesses of all these things. That no matter what it is that God wants to show himself to you, however you see that Jesus really is alive— once you do, there's one point to that. After that, there is one mission, and that is that message, that there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Uh, and there's, there's a few words in there that are not normal English um, that maybe uh, need to be explained a little bit. So the first of those is, is sin. There's forgiveness of sins, and sin is that part of us that we can't change no matter how hard we try, that human propensity to screw things up, uh, that, that part of us that no matter how much we try and do things right, we really still just want what's good for us, and it ends up pushing God away. It ends up pushing others away. It hurts us. It hurts God. It hurts everyone around us. That is sin. But forgiveness, that is God saying that it doesn't matter. That's God saying... I will fix it. That won't stop me from loving you. I want to give you a clean spiritual slate. I want to give you a fresh start. I want to, I want to make things new. And repentance, that's only available for those who repent. Uh, and that just means recognizing that I was wrong, that this is something that I can't change by myself, and turning around, turning away from it, and asking God to take back control, to take back control of my life, and asking, God, I've messed up. Will you forgive me? Will you do a new thing? And that's the message that Jesus says. That's why he wants us to know that he's alive. Because of that message. That there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And once you realize that Jesus is alive, that he is doing powerful things, that he is here for you, that he loves you, that he wants to forgive you, then there's no stopping you. Then, there's, then you'll understand why we do this thing called church, why we come together every week uh, to, to talk about Jesus, to tell about 
God's forgiveness, to tell about the stories of people a long time ago, because we know that the God who did all those things a long time ago is still doing things today. That's why we do this. So if you've never experienced Jesus being alive, that Jesus loves you, that God wants to forgive you, um, there'll be an opportunity in, in a moment to, to say yes to that, to, uh, to raise your hand and say, yeah, I want God's forgiveness. I want to start over. And we'll have prayer rushers, and they would love to pray with you and lead you through all that that means. And I promise you that's the best decision you could ever make. If you've already experienced some of that, but you're finding that that's not motivating you to, to go do uh, the right things, to go tell people about it, to go join that mission of telling this story, I've got good news that Jesus is still alive today. And not just the first time that you met him. That Jesus wants to show himself as alive and powerful to you again and again and again. Uh, so during the, the worship time, there's going to be, uh, we have the, the front open right here to come sit, stand, kneel, to ask God to reveal himself to you one more time. To see uh, that he wants to take some part of you that was dead and make it alive. Because God's the only person who can do that. And when you realize that something that was dead in you isn't dead anymore, there's no stopping you from telling everybody. that we, I don't need to go tell you. You should go tell someone. You'll want to because you know that God is good. God is alive. Jesus is here and he's for us. You'll want to do something about that. Let's pray.